Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Praise the Lord. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9. We're going to be reading that in just a moment. We're picking back up our series, Dealing with Toxic Relationships. It's a four-message series. We've had one so far, and if you missed it, you can jump online to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, and you can catch up there. So today, our message is titled, Time to Detox. Have you ever heard the word detox before? It's very popular and trendy today, right? And there are all sorts of detox diets and supplements intended to rid our body of toxins that build up from processed foods that we eat and our lifestyle and the environment. And proponents say these toxins in our, toxins in our body can cause achy joints and, and muscles, brain fog, fatigue, headaches, allergies, gas, autoimmune disease, migraines, IBS, and a whole list of worse conditions. Detoxing, they say, can, can greatly improve our health. And now the concept of detoxing has moved beyond just health and diet, and it has extended to our emotions, our thinking, our attitudes, and our relationship. I've even heard people online say that they're going to take a break from social media for 30 days because they need to detox from the negativity of social media. And I can say amen to that. I don't get on there uh, that often. Amen just really to use it for ministry purposes. And if you Google search the term relationship detox, there are 19.5 million results that will come back because relationships can become toxic. And when they become toxic, they can be harmful to your health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. They can be harmful to your overall well-being. Psychologist Dr. Brenda Wade shared the story of a young engaged couple who attended one of her seminars where she opened with a quiz asking uh, the participants to rate their relationship on a scale of one to five, one equaling fantastic and five equaling failing or toxic. Now, in this couple, Dan rated the relationship a four. Now, remember, five is toxic. Five is failing, right? He rates the relationship four, and Marcy rated it a five. And they're just two months from their wedding. And their relationship was toxic. Dr. Wade writes, when I listened to Marcy and Dan talk, this is how they sounded. It's all your fault. You just always want to fight. What's wrong with you? You're just too controlling. Don't be stupid. Marcy explained that she went on the bride diet so she could look her best in her wedding dress and in all the photos. And she said, and when I went on that diet and told Dan what I wanted to do, he suddenly became the food police, controlling everything I ate. If he says, don't eat that, one more time, I'm going to scream. Even though I know it's wrong, I lash out at him all the time. Then he gets angry because he says, I'm only trying to help. You said you wanted to lose weight. Man, sometimes you can be in a losing battle. But anyway, that was your cue to say amen. But, but she says, we get in a fight, and then I end up with a headache. You know what that means, amen? Now, if any of those uh, nasty sound bites 
that I just referred to in Dr. Wade's uh, rendition, if they remind you of conversations that you have had or are currently having with your spouse, even your best friend, your mother, a sibling, then you know how Dan and Marcy felt. These are examples of toxic communications which are the expression of a toxic relationship. If you're feeling trapped, worn down, and unsupported, then you just might be in a toxic relationship. Now, the wisdom writer apparently understood what it was like to be in a toxic relationship. Writing in Proverbs 21.9, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife or husband or anybody else you want to fill in there in a lovely home. Amen? What he's saying is better to be alone than to be in a toxic relationship that is destroying you. And you know, that verse came to mind when I saw a meme on Facebook a while back that said, don't let your loneliness make you reconnect with toxic people. You shouldn't drink poison just because you're thirsty. And there's a lot of truth to that. Sometimes because we're lonely, uh, we step out and we return to a relationship that we know is not good to us or we don't let go of a relationship that we know is not healthy uh, for us. But toxic people can drain the life, the passion, the joy out of us. They demean us. They break us down. They distract us from healthy relationships because you just don't have the energy to invest in any other relationship. They discourage us and ultimately they can destroy us. But it's not just about our personal well-being and happiness. It's about the purpose and plan of God for our lives as well. That's what the enemy wants to keep us from. And the enemy will use toxic people to break us down, to discourage us, to distract us, and to defeat us so that we cannot fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives. So today, we're going to consider three components of a toxic spirit, a person who has a toxic spirit. Now, not all toxic people will possess all three of these components. But every toxic person will be a master at at least one of them. The first one, toxic people have a murderous spirit. Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. And those who love to do evil things are his children. The devil is at work behind toxic people. Now, we have to understand that murder is more than physically taking another person's life. Jesus even said it in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say unto you, if you hate your brother in your heart, or you say rock a fool, you say demeaning things that tear another person down, then you've already committed murder. So Jesus is telling us that the act, the sin of murder is more than just the physical act of taking someone's life. I read the story of Andrea and Grace, who were roommates in college, and all was well until the college assigned a third girl to their dorm room. That third girl was named Samantha, and she continually had a problem with each of them for which they had to always be apologizing for something they didn't do or something that they did do or something they didn't even realize was done. It was, they were walking on eggshells. You ever know somebody like that? 
that you, the slightest little thing you're afraid is going to set them off. I, I know that firsthand. I know some people like that. Amen. And when Samantha was not complaining about them, she was always having tirades about something or someone or, or, or that they had done to her or that they had not done. And Samantha particularly targeted and Andrea because Andrea was a Christian and Andrea was taught to love even your enemies and so Andrea was bending over backwards to placate Samantha and so An um, Samantha took advantage of that and she grew stronger in her attacks so much so that it started to affect Andrea's health. So she began to stay out late so as not to be in the dorm. She began to leave early before her classes even started so that she could minimize the amount of time she was exposed to Samantha. As a result of, of leaving early and staying out late, she began to be always tired because she wasn't getting enough sleep. So she started nodding off in her classes and it began to affect her schoolwork and she wasn't doing well in her grades. By Thanksgiving, now remember school started uh, in September or the end of August, by Thanksgiving she couldn't take it anymore. And so she asked to be moved out and by Christmas, the other roommate, Grace, couldn't take it anymore, and she asked to be moved to another dorm room. So then the college assigned another student to room with Samantha, and by Easter, that girl was begging for a transfer. Andrea almost lost one year of schoolwork failing her classes due to Samantha's toxicity. In fact, even several years later, if anyone mentioned Samantha's name to Andrea, she instantly began to get sick to her stomach. That's the trauma that it caused to her. Folks, some people are toxic, and the situation doesn't change no matter how hard you try because they are not willing to change. Toxic people have a murderous spirit. They murder relationships, reputations, ministries, and your mental, emotional, and physical health. A murderous spirit. Now, murder is a desire to destroy. Now, when healthy people have a conflict, they can agree to disagree and move on, right? But toxic people can't do that. When you disagree with a toxic person, or point out something wrong that they've done, they're gonna lash out against you and they're not gonna let go of it. They're not gonna let go of it. Do you remember when John the Baptist had been telling Herod that it was against God's law for him to have his, <coughs> excuse me, to um, have his brother's wife? And his brother's wife was named Herodias and she was vengeful, she was upset that John the Baptist would call them out for this sinful relationship. So she began to put relentless pressure on Herod to arrest John the Baptist. And she was conniving and she was devising a plan and she manipulated Herod into having John the Baptist beheaded by having her daughter dance for uh, Herod at a party. And Herod got in such a fleshly state that he said to the daughter, I'll give you anything you want. And she had already set the daughter up to ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And so this toxic woman she she planned and she connived and she manipulated and she controlled until she destroyed until she murdered 
the one against whom her anger was focused. 1 John 3.15 warns, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart, and they don't have eternal life within them. Oh, they may go to church, they may say hallelujah, they may shout, they may jump up and down, but if you hate your brother or sister, you have a murderous heart and you are not saved. And the end goal of the murderous spirit is to silence you, it is to stop you, they will sap your strength, they'll harm your health, they'll uh, cause you to become depressed, discouraged, and distracted, wanting to just give up wanting to just give up. Recognize it for what it is. It is the opposition of the devil because remember Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So he is the one behind this murderous spirit. So recognize it for what it is and fight it spiritually. The second characteristic of toxic people, they have a controlling spirit. The desire to control another person is demonic. Have you ever noticed the Bible talks about demon possession, but it doesn't talk about God possession or Holy Spirit possession? Have you ever noticed that? Now, demon possession has been described as the complete domination of a person's will by a demon so that the person no longer has the power to choose. Their will is being violated. They are completely under the control of the demonic. Kind of like the man that was possessed of 2,000 demons, remember? That uh, the demons ended up jumping off the cliff when Jesus cast them out. That man didn't have a will of his own. He was being violated. And, and, and he was so violent that they couldn't control him. He was living chained in a, in a graveyard because nobody could control him. He had no will of his own. The demonic spirits were controlling. They were possessing his will. The desire to control another person is demonic. It is completely contrary to the character of God. Why? Because God created us with a free will, a free will. He has the authority and the power to make us do whatever he wants us to do, but he never forces us to do anything. He does not control us. Instead, he lovingly invites us and calls us to follow him. He gives us the freedom to choose to respond or to reject. The freedom of choice is powerfully illustrated in the challenge of Joshua to the nation of Israel when Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve, the idols of the Amorites or the Lord God of Israel. He was saying, God, God has set a choice before you. You can choose. God's not going to force you to follow him. A generation earlier, Moses said, the way of life and death is before you. Blessing and cursing is set before you. Choose life. So here again, God is saying, you have a choice. I'm not going to make you follow me. I'm not going to force you to choose to live for me. You have a choice. And throughout the ministry of Jesus, he extended that same freedom to all as he called people to follow him, and as he allowed people to walk away freely like the rich young ruler. Remember when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do uh, to have eternal life? And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, you know, uh, about the commandments, and, and he said, I've done all of that since I was young. And then Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. 
But Jesus knew that money was that young man's God. And he was saddened when Jesus said that. And he couldn't do it, and he turned and walked away. Jesus didn't follow after him, begging him to stay. Jesus didn't handcuff him and say, no, you need to follow me. Jesus let him walk away. He had the freedom to choose. Why? Because God never seeks to control us. The Spirit fills us, the Spirit inspires us, the Spirit moves in us, the Spirit empowers us, the Spirit quickens us. But the Spirit never controls us unless we willingly surrender moment by moment to his working inside of us. But that's our choice. In fact, Paul emphatically states, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit. What he's saying, because he was talking about how the gifts should operate in proper order in the church. And, you know, some people would just interrupt the service out shouting others in, in prophecy or tongues or whatever. And, and then if somebody tried to tell them, you know, that's not appropriate to do it at this time in the service, they'd say, but the Spirit moved on me. We blame God for so much stuff. And Paul said, no, 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 that's not an excuse. Your spirit always has control. God may be moving on you, but you have control as to when and how you express what God is moving on you. You following me? All right. The reason that deliverance is such a large part of the gospel is because Satan brings people under his control. Satan enslaves people. Satan binds people and keeps them in bondage. Satan deals in control. God deals in freedom and in choice. God calls us to the best life possible in him, the abundant life, the joy-filled life, the life of peace that passes all understanding. That's what God calls us to. But he respects our choice if we choose to reject his invitation and walk away and suffer the consequences. The point is that for someone to control another person, that is toxic it's contrary to the character of God. It is the work of the devil, and it is opposed to God's goodwill and purpose for each of us. Now, the controlling spirit seeks to keep you from being who God called you to be. When you're being controlled, you are conforming to the other person's will, and that keeps you from being who God calls you to be. Amen. It's awful quiet in here. It's where we can say amen or oh me, all right? I read the story of a woman named Rachel who loved her husband, Barry, and described him as a warm, caring, and funny man. But she said to a counselor, he controls everything. He even forces me to eat at his favorite Mexican restaurant five times a week. I am so sick of Mexican food. Now, Barry was an accomplished professional. He was an engineer, but he had a very exacting and structured personality. And he had, he and his wife, living according to a rigid schedule, which gave Rachel no time for herself. She couldn't even have any friends. She felt, she said, like she was suffocating. And she eventually filed for divorce and had already rented her own apartment, which is when Barry sought help from a counselor, a Christian counselor. The counselor listened as Rachel described in, in detail the extreme control that she was experiencing in this marital relationship. 
And the counselor asked Barry, is what she's saying true? And he said, yes, all of it. But he didn't think that was a bad thing because he never saw it as controlling. He said that he just saw himself as someone who liked to do things right. And he says, and I've created a system for us. And that system seems to be working. Well, it might be working for him, but it certainly wasn't working for her. So the counselor told Barry, Rachel apparently doesn't feel that way. She feels like she can't breathe. She feels like you are suffocating her. That was a shock to Barry. So the counselor said, what you need to do is allow her to stay in your house and you move into the apartment. That way it will upend your rigid routine. And she says, I also want you to have no contact with Rachel unless she reaches out to you. That was going to break his control. Oh, Barry didn't like that too much. The counselor told Barry privately, love is about wanting the best for your wife above and beyond what you want for yourself. She says, when you get to the point where you can say, I am afraid for Rachel to come back to me until I've changed. She said, until you get to that point, your marriage cannot be rebuilt. That was some shocking truth for Barry. And Barry said it's the hardest thing he ever did in all of his life. But he knew he needed to learn how toxic his controlling behavior had been. You know, a lot of times controlling people don't realize they're controlling. They think they're, they're doing good for you. But we need, to, we need to be able to recognize a controlling person so that we don't fall prey to them. Controlling people will disrespect you. They start out often very loving and very kind to gain entrance into your life. And when they've built up that confidence in the relationship, then they begin to demonstrate and, and express disrespect for your thoughts. You can't have a thought of your own. You can't have an idea of your own. Your opinions don't matter. Your needs don't matter. They are uh, secondary to their, their needs. Your desire, they don't respect your desires. They don't respect your boundaries. Controlling people will criticize you, tear you down with their words. They will manipulate you with guilt. They will threaten you with holding their love and affection or something else that they know is important to you. Only God should be the Lord of your life. And when he is Lord, he doesn't rule with control and manipulation. He rules with love and grace. And he always gives us freedom of choice to love and serve him. If you allow someone else to control your life, you cannot have God as your Lord because you're allowing that person to be the Lord of your life. Come on now. This is some truth, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it. The third characteristic of a toxic person is that toxic people have a hateful spirit. Toxic people thrive on anger and strife. Now remember, not all toxic people have all three of these characteristics, but they will be a master at least one of them. But often they have a hateful spirit because they thrive on anger and strife. 
As Christians, as we surrender ourselves to the loving control, and it's our choice, as we surrender ourselves to the loving and gracious control of the Spirit, what does he do? He produces in us love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, generosity, self-control, faith, right? The fruit of the Spirit. So if you're walking uh, 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 under the, the control of the Holy Spirit, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to rule in your heart, that's what's going to characterize your life. Maybe not 100% of the time because we're all growing in allowing ourselves to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, right? But we should be making progress in those areas. But that's what's going to characterize your life. In contrast, Paul says that the person who is walking according to the flesh, the person who allows their fleshly passions and desires to control or rule them, they're marked by a different set of motivating attitudes. And some of those attitudes that he identifies are hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. Now let me tell you something. When Paul talked about those that were walking according to the flesh, he was writing to church people in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And he says, you know, there can be people in church, you have a choice. You can walk according to the spirit or you can walk according to the flesh. If you walk according to the spirit, he's going to produce love, joy, peace, kindness. He's going to produce all that good stuff in your life. But there are some in the church who they have not surrendered to the Spirit, and they're walking according to the flesh. And he says, this is what the flesh produces, wrath, strife, envy, division, quarrel, selfish ambition, all that, that's the stuff. And these are people where? Turn to your neighbor and say, these are people in church. All right? Christian folks supposed to be. Toxic people. They are selfish. They incite arguments and disagreements seemingly without cause. Sometimes they explode and you're like, what? Why? Where, where did that come from? Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Uh, they incite arguments without cause. Disagreements rise without reason. They, they often live angry at the whole world. They can be very rude and unkind, a lot of times to the people closest to them, to their family members, but also to friends, co-workers, even servers in a restaurant or whoever else they interact with. But they don't think they have a problem. They think everybody else is the problem. I see some people nodding their head. They're like, I know somebody, I, yeah, I know somebody. A hateful spirit harms other people with words and actions, but they don't care. They feel that it's their right. They feel, I'm just speaking the truth, and I'm in the right to do so. If you try to talk to them and tell them that they hurt you, it's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. They don't say, oh, I'm sorry I hurt you. No, they come in for the full charge. They're going to attack you. Why? Because they lack empathy and they lack compassion because they are narcissistic, they are self-centered, and it's all about them. 
You say you hurt me, and they'll say, but you did this, that, and the other to me, and they'll turn whatever you're saying hurt you, they'll turn it against you. They're masters at doing it. Christian counselor Dr. Dan Allender and biblical scholar Tremper Longman used the word evil in place of toxic, and they wrote this, evil or toxic is devoid of conscience. It lacks moral boundaries. Right is whatever it desires it to be. A seared conscience, a seared conscience, that's one that's rejected the dealing of God, a seared conscience does not respond with mercy to a cry for help, nor is it stopped by a threat for shame. So you can cry out. You're in this relationship and you can cry out for help and say, you're hurting me, you're destroying me. They're not going to respond to that because their conscience is so hardened. Toxic people are harmful and we need to protect ourselves. Ask yourself the question, is there someone in your life that after you've had an interaction with them, it takes hours or days to recover from it? I mean, it's like it caused a tornado in your soul. And now you have to deal with all the debris that's there. I see several people nodding their head. Does your relationship with that person drain your strength? Does it destroy your peace? Does it damage your emotions? And does it leave you feeling depressed and hopeless like this will never change? I'll never get out of this things will never get any better. If that's the case, then your relationship is unhealthy. It is likely toxic. You may have to humbly realize that what is toxic to you may not be toxic to someone else. Somebody else may love to be controlled. Somebody else may love to be suffocated. Somebody else may love to quarrel. I know somebody that once said that, that she and her family loved a good wrangle. <laughs> Raised in a big family with a lot of siblings, they loved a good wrangle. They, they, they thrive on fighting. And they said it, when we were growing up and they were teenagers and young adults and they were at the big family table, they said if a, if a fight didn't break out naturally, they would do something to cause one. Like her, her brother would take a pitcher of, of cold water and throw it over one of the other's heads so that they could break out into. There's some people that they love that it's unhealthy, but they love it. So, hey, send them to some more toxic people and let their toxicity be upon each other. Amen. So what's toxic for you may not be toxic to somebody else, but if it's toxic for you, it can destroy you. Amen. You may also need to humbly judge yourself and realize, you know what? I can no longer interact with this person in a positive, healthy way. Because sometimes so much damage has been done that it just builds up. No matter how much you're trying to let go and forgive and love and have grace, but after a while, it, it, it just wears away at you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And, and, and so at that point, you have to realize, you know what? I can't change them. Only God can, and they got to want it. You can't force somebody else to want to change. Amen. Now, depending on the context, if the toxic person is your spouse or a son or a daughter, you may 
not be able to separate yourself completely. I have a close blood relative that fits into this category, and I love them best from a distance. If they need my help, I'm there to give them help, but I do not interact with them on a regular basis. It's sad because I would love to have a better relationship with them, but it is just not possible. I've learned that over the years because I've bent over backwards, and it just doesn't work. So I love them best from a distance. Leave me be and let me be at peace. Amen? You have your tornado over there. You love living in a tornado. Live in a tornado. But I don't want to be in it. Amen? Uh, but I can do that because it's not somebody that I'm bound to uh, be interacting with on a regular basis. But if it's your spouse or it's a, a son or a daughter or maybe even a parent, you can't just separate yourself completely from them. But you may need to learn to just stay silent sometimes. I told you in the first message that I had a toxic person in my life that would sometimes call and they would just go off and create a situation out of no situation and they would just be going off on the phone and I would just put the phone down, stay silent, go off, do something else. And every once in a while they'd be, are you there? Uh-huh. And I'm off doing something else. And when they had ranted and raved themselves out, then I'm like, you know what? I've got other things to do. You have a nice day. You know, and then sometimes after that, they would blow my phone up with texts, you know, but I would just ignore it because you know what the Bible says? Where there's no fuel, a fire goes out. If you keep trying to respond, guess what? You're putting fuel. So they're just going to keep going. But after a while, if they see you're not responding, sometime the fire has to burn itself out. So sometimes we got to learn just to stay silent. So if you can't extricate yourself physically from the situation, just learn to stay silent and pray a lot for him that, you know, I rebuke the devil, but don't say it out loud. <laughs> don't let him hear you say that because that'll be a whole other reason. <laughs> but you'd be praying, you do some spiritual warfare, you get out that gallon jug of olive oil, <laughs> you anoint their side of the bed, everything they touch in the name of Jesus, you know. Because it is spiritual warfare, folks. I, I'm making light, but it is spiritual warfare. So you pray for them. You learn to stay silent whenever possible. You learn to set some healthy boundaries so it doesn't destroy you. And if it's appropriate, you know, if you're not bound in marriage or whatever, if it's appropriate, like we talked in our last message, sometimes you got to know when to walk away. And like that old country song, sometimes you need to know when to run. And sometimes you need to run. The wisdom writer says, if a wise man has an argument with a fool. The fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. And what he's saying is, learn that there is some people that you just can't. Yeah, you just can't. It's just going to fuel them, and you're not going to have any peace. So there's no use arguing with a toxic person. Now, just to give you a little suggestion of... Um, practical help. If you are married to a toxic person or have a cl uh, close relationship with a toxic person that you can't just walk away from, I encourage you to seek the help of a Christian counselor. Seek the help of a Christian counselor for you to get you healthy enough so that you can know how to respond in this situation and even seek, if, particularly if it's a marriage, seek Christian counseling for your marriage. And hopefully, hopefully, Someone will be able, like this guy Barry that was controlling his wife, but he thought he had a great system. 
but the Christian counselor was able to open his eyes to some truth, and hopefully a Christian counselor will be able to do that as well in your situation. But God's desire for each and every one of us, God's desire for you, is expressed in 3 John chapter 2. He says, my beloved friend, or verse 2, my beloved friend, I pray that everything is going well for you and that your body is as healthy as your soul is prosperous. Folks, God wants you to be healthy physically, but he also wants your soul to thrive, to, to be prosperous. God doesn't want you beat down, tore up, broken, struggling, lacking peace. God doesn't want that for you. Amen. God loves you and he desires your well-being. He wants you to be healthy. He wants your soul to prosper. He doesn't want you to be drained, distressed, depressed, defeated because of a toxic relationship in your life. So if you're in a toxic relation, relationship, pray and ask God to give you the wisdom to know how to establish healthy boundaries so that you can maintain your well-being, so that you can thrive in your body, mind, and soul. And if you're not married to a toxic person, then you may need to walk away where possible and ask God to give you the strength to do so. Because sometimes we stay in an unhealthy relationship because we are afraid of the alternative. We're afraid of, but then I'm going to be alone. Then I'm not going to have a friend. Then I'm not going to have X, Y, and Z. You know what? It's better to be alone in the corner of an attic than to be in a beautiful house with a brawling woman. And what God is saying is better to be alone than to be in a relationship with a toxic person. Amen? And if you are a toxic person, maybe you recognized yourself a little bit. Hallelujah. In what we said today. And if you could identify with those characteristics, then it's time to repent and say, God, that's me. Pastor Maria was talking about me. And Lord, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I surrender myself to you. And Lord, I can't change myself. I need your help. I need you to change me. Amen. So at some level, I believe this message speaks to everybody in here today. And God is calling every one of us to respond. Wherever you are, God loves you and he has a beautiful plan for your life. Don't let a toxic person keep you from being all that God calls you to be and drain you of your passion, peace, joy, and strength. And the first step to knowing and walking in God's good plan that will prosper you in all areas of your life is to enter into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. See, all of us have sinned. Sin has broken our relationship with God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth, lived a sinless life, and offered his life as a sacrifice on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven and brought into right relationship with God and begin the wonderful life that God desires for us. So if, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, but if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. I want to have a relationship with God. Or maybe you did so years ago and you've drifted away and you need to come back and you can feel the Holy Spirit pulling at your heart and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to repent of my sins. I want to be forgiven and I want to have a right relationship with God. If that's you in either of those uh, categories and you would say pray for me pastor I want to come to God would you just slip your hand up and just say pray for me
Pray for me. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else this morning? Praise the Lord. Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to ask those that raised your hand just to do one more thing. I want you to pray a simple prayer with me. And church, I ask you to pray along with us to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. Would you just pray this simple prayer, dear Jesus? I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you gave your life for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forth to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to be the first to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life, and welcome to the family of God, amen. For those of you that just prayed that prayer, if you would, could you just uh, text your um, email address to the number on the screen because we want to send you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the steps to continue growing in your relationship with the Lord because the prayer you just prayed is a beginning, not an ending. It's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this little booklet will help you to understand some of the things that you can do in your life to make sure that you keep growing in your faith relationship with God. We want to send that to you free of charge. We need your email address to do it. So if you would just uh, text that to the number on the screen, then a little bit later today, we will gladly email you that book free of charge, but we congratulate you. Amen. For those of us who have already given our heart to Christ, if you have a murderous spirit, a controlling spirit, or a hateful spirit, would you repent of that before God today? Surrender yourself to him and ask him to change you? If you're not that person, but you are in a relationship with someone like that, would you pray and ask God to give you the wisdom to know how to establish healthy boundaries so that you can protect yourself and so that you can thrive in your mind, body, soul, and spirit? And if you're not married to that toxic person, then maybe you need to ask God's wisdom, should I walk away? And if that's what I need to do, will you give me the strength and the ability to do so? And if any of those categories that we just described applies to you, I'm going to ask you if you would just stand and come to this altar. So you might be the toxic person. You may be in a relationship with a toxic person. You need wisdom. You need God's help. If that applies to you, would you just make your way to the front? Don't be ashamed or embarrassed. That's what this altar is for. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to this place is so that we can be changed. I know y'all were nodding your head and saying amen. I know there's folks out there that you've got toxic relationships in your life. So thank you for those that have come. Amen. Come on down. Come on down. Don't be afraid or embarrassed. I'm going to ask some of our prayer ministers, some of our prayer warriors to come, if you would, and pray with these that are coming to the altar. Amen. This is a time uh, that God wants to heal, that God wants to set free, that God wants to restore, that God wants to transform. This is a healing place. This is a healing place, not just physical healing, but emotional healing. Prayer ministers, altar workers, will you come out and just pray with these that are here? Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 
954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.